or good morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 21. So Galatians 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represented two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who were of the slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she was in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, for you have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now, you brothers like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born in the power of the Spirit. It's the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, before we look at that passage, shall we just pray together? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this passage we've read in your presence. And we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will speak to us through it this morning as we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this passage in Galatians, um, uh, I've titled it really, A Lesson from Scripture. You know, Paul has pleaded with the Gentile believers not to be drawn into the following or drawn into following the false teaching of the Judaizers who are attempting to turn them away from Jesus as they are attempting to entice them into following what is now traditional religious activity. Paul will challenge them by showing them that the law of Moses was something of importance, but it is no longer applicable to either Jew or Gentile Christians. The law had its place, but now it has served its purpose. And the purpose of the law has been fulfilled by Jesus. We have the words in Matthew's Gospel of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, once Paul has explained to them what the law was saying, he will then ask them this question. Is this what you really want? Do you want to go back to something that has now served its purpose? He's going to give them a short history lesson. Now, we need to remember that Paul was an expert in the Mosaic law. He was taught by Gamaliel, the most famous rabbinical teacher of his day. And Paul had been a Pharisee, one who was familiar with the liturgical and ritualistic basis of the rabbinical Judaism. 
Paul's Jewish credentials far outweigh those of these false teachers. He not only knew the law, he knew its true purpose, and he knew that Jesus was the fulfilment of the law. Now, the Gentile believers were not as conversant with the meaning of the Mosaic laws as the Judaizers were. So the Gentile believers were easy game for the false teachers, who to them appeared to be more knowledgeable about these things. Now, Paul, he goes to a passage that is recorded for us, and we can read about it in Genesis chapter uh, 16 through to chapter 21. And let's listen to what he says in verse 21 to 23 in Galatians 4, when he's asking them, what do you really want? He says this, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. Now Paul is going to explain to them about the law and what it means in relation to their present situation. And he will start with a subject that the Jewish people would be familiar with and that the Gentiles would be aware of. You see, it's an episode that happened, an episode involving Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael and Isaac. Now, now within this passage, there is a reminder to them that it's God who is in control, despite the mistakes made by Abraham and Sarah. You see, God is always in control. And Paul will draw out spiritual truths, truths that will help his readers to understand what he's trying to say to them. Remember, God's promise to Abraham was that he and Sarah would have a son. Now, Sarah, being Abraham's wife, was said to be a free woman, but she had no children. The promise from God was that the child would be born to her. But when it seemed that it wouldn't happen, Sarah persuaded Abraham to take her servant, Hagar, as his second wife. Now, apparently this was allowed back in those times, in order to preserve the family line. Abraham later took Hagar as his second wife, who who would still carry the status of a servant. And the purpose of this relationship was that Abraham might have a son. And Hagar bore a son by natural means. That's what our passage means by according to the flesh. Now, much later, at a time when, because of their age, it was humanly impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child. But a child was born, born according to the promise given to both of them by God. Now, this long time gap was there in order to show them that this birth of this son was a miraculous birth. This was a birth in line with God's promise. It was all of God. And this passage that we're looking at here, it teaches us a lot of things, a lot of things about faith and about God's wisdom and and God's power. But Paul wants to show his readers something of the gospel. And what he wants to show them is 
the gospel cannot be compromised. Now he's going to use an illustration as he refers to this passage and we see this now as we come to verses 24 to 26 in Galatians chapter 4 and this is what we read. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds with the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. Now here, in this little bit here, he's referring to Sarah. What he's saying to them, look, Think of Hagar as being representative of the law, the law that was given to Moses at Sinai, the law that was carried out in Jerusalem by means of sacrificial offerings that rendered the people as being slaves to the law. In contrast, have a look at Sarah and see her as being representative of the joy of being set free from the law by the one and the one who came and gave that once and for all sacrifice, the one who is Jesus. Now Paul makes it clear that these things, they actually happened. These were real events. And what he's going to do is to draw the hidden spiritual truths from this that are applicable to these readers in the churches in Galatia. Now, we've got to stop for a moment and say that this doesn't give us license to draw things from Scripture that are not there. But we know that Paul was chosen by the Lord to take the gospel to the Gentiles and the very fact that by the guidance of the Holy Spirit we have this recorded for us here in our Bibles means that we can trust in what Paul is doing. In Hagar we have an image of the Old Covenant which is the Mosaic Law and the people who were slaves to the law the law that was to be administered from the temple in Jerusalem. Sarah represents the new covenant that looks towards the one who freed us from the law and who mediates for us in what will be the new heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus is our heavenly temple. So we come to verse 27 and 28 and Paul wants, we could title this, how does this relate to Paul's readers? Well, let's read those verses 27 and 28. For it's written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never never bore a child, break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Paul quotes this passage, which is actually from Isaiah, Isaiah 54, verse 1. The child of the new covenant brings joy. Now, an illustration of this is the fact that the name Isaac means laughter, joy. The law exposed sin, meaning that it was a burden, a burden that had to be carried. And in verse 28, now you brothers and sisters like Isaac are children of the promise. Paul now says that you who have been given new life in Jesus live in the light of that promise as those who have been set free from the Mosaic law. You know, Abraham was 86 when Ishmael was born. You can read about this in Genesis 16. 
And Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. You can read about that in Genesis 21. And when Ishmael was 17, Isaac, who would at that time have been three years old, was weaned. And at that point, Abraham held a great feast. Read about that again in Genesis 21. And on that day, Sarah heard Ishmael mocking Isaac. And it became clear that the two women could not live together because of the tension that it caused. Paul tells us that this is indicative of the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And he's saying they cannot exist together, therefore one must go. He's saying that this is what is happening to the believers in Galatia. He's saying to them, look, you've got two women, two births, two sons. One woman, a slave, who gave birth to a son who was born out of natural causes, i.e. the flesh. Paul had already told them once why the law was given in the first place. And we read that in Galatians chapter 3, and it's in verse uh, 19. He said, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions, until the seed of whom the promise referred to had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. The other woman, who is a free woman, Sarah, gave birth to a son who was born by way of divine intervention, the spirit as opposed to the flesh. So Paul is saying this is a picture of the new life that we have in Christ who frees us from the restrictions of the law and this is the fulfillment of the promised one who came through the line of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That is Jesus of Nazareth. And listen to what Paul in his letter has already said to them again in Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. He says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, curse is everyone who hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. When we come to verse 29, here is the point that Paul wants to drive home. He says, At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit, as is the same now. You see, the Spirit and the flesh cannot live together. There's conflict, and there can, can't be a compromise. And that's why in verse 30 to 31, he, he says this, so, so what is the answer? So this is what he says, verse 30. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share an inheritance with the free woman's son. So the answer is that one must go. Now, Paul has said that these things are being taken figuratively. He's taken a real event that happened in the life of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham loved Ishmael, but when Isaac was born, it became clear that the two could not live together, and one had to go. 
it hurt Abraham to do this. But the hard truth was, there was no other way. It had to be like this. Verse 31 of Paul's letter. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. What Paul is saying is that the liturgical and ritualistic basis of the rabbinical offerings have now served their purpose. Therefore, they would have to be put to one side to make way for salvation by grace alone. That has now come from the perfect sacrifice that has been made by the death and resurrection of Jesus. In other words, salvation by grace and it's all of God. It's unearned, it's unmerited, it's a gift. Jesus paid the price. He's saying he paid the price for you. That you could have this gift and you have it by believing and trusting in Jesus. And then he says, why do you think that you have to earn what you already own after being set free from the burden of sin? Do you, do you want to put that weight of the law on your shoulders? Do you want to go back to seeking salvation through the law? To do that is denying the gospel. You shouldn't even think about going back to offering sacrifices, being circumcised and using them as a way to try to earn salvation. He's saying, look, if you have to work to earn salvation, then salvation will not be by grace. But salvation is by grace, meaning that you cannot earn it, but you can have it. Just as we draw to a close, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, this is what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, we are encouraged to do good works, but not in order to earn salvation. But we do them as an evidence of our salvation you know when we come to chapter 5 Paul is going to show us how to live as free men and women in Christ and by Christ alone shall we pray our father we thank you for this short time that we spent around your word and we pray that through this passage you will just open our eyes to the truth of salvation by grace and remind us of what we have when we accept Jesus as our Saviour. And our Father, we just would now ask that as we continue in our work with, walk with you, that you will help us and direct us as we are guided by your Spirit. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.